Good evening. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Everything Entrepreneurship with Walter and Yarrow. Hi, this is Yarrow Starak. And this is Walter Haas. And you've just joined us on the very first Everything Entrepreneurship podcast show, although this is our sixth episode, I think. Walter, am I right in my maths? I always go to you for my maths question. That's right. I think that's right. I haven't checked the block, but <laughs> sounds about right, so let's go with it. This okay. is our sixth podcast. There you go. Sixth podcast, but the first one with our new intro, and soon you will hear the outro music at the end of the episode. And that reminds me, I have to thank our friend who put together that wonderful intro music that you just heard. Uh, his name is Carl, and I wanted to give a shout out to his his uh, service. He's, well, he's not got a service. He's got a, a business. Uh, it's called The Voice Market. Now, I don't know if Carl is actually going to be setting up a business yet. We're having a chat, actually. He's, he's uh, queried me, and we can perhaps answer this as a first question on our, our episode today. Walter, I know I'm throwing this out to you uh, out of the blue, but uh, he's asking, you know, given especially what he's just done for us making this um, intro and outro, whether we think there would be a need for a service that basically does this for people, goes and makes their podcast intros and outros. So uh, what do you think? Well, I certainly think there's a market for it. I mean, um, specifically for videos, I know I'm not a video guy, but I've had problems finding intro music, outro music, or music that plays during the video. So it's definitely something I've looked into. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I was. I have to write back to Carl and tell him this, but uh, Carl, I think my friend Gideon, as we all know, is in the video market, and he has a company called Splashio, and he's having great success doing the exact thing you're talking about, but for video, which is creating the intros, the outros, and the lower thirds on videos through his splashio.com service and you know he's built a, an entire company on that at the moment which is you know that's his main focus so i think it's a resounding yes you've got some competition i think you definitely would want to niche it to a specific target audience to go after uh something like that but you know you did a great job for us it was quick and fairly painless we only had a few back and forwards with choosing the the accent and the way to say the words in the intro you just heard so uh yeah i think it's uh, definitely a service people would be willing to pay for and uh i i would but obviously i'm grateful that you did it for free but that's why we're giving a shout out to the voice market so thank you carl okay so Moving on, uh, quick recap. Walter, what did we get up to or what did you get up to during the uh, previous week with your business? So last week, I had a look at all the research I did for products I might design for Kickspy and I decided to quit researching because I've got a few good product ideas. So next step for me is to mock up little alphas, something that's slightly functional and yeah, get that out there. So I'm halfway between doing that. I also then... Did some cleanup, a bit of SEO for Geekspy, which has worked nicely. Which uh, you can't talk about because it's super secret stuff that you don't want people <laughs> uh, stealing from you, right? No, not super secret stuff. It's just uh, basically taking the Webmaster Tools uh, recommendations and just implementing those. It's something I've had on my to-do list for a little while, but um, I've always knocked it down the bottom because, you know, it's it's just optimization stuff. Boring. But, yeah, boring. <laughs> But, but it really does work. So listen to Google. If they say you should do something on your website, then do it because they'll 
reward you for it uh-huh. once and, it's done. And for those who don't know, Webmaster Tools is something that Google provides for free where you can basically give them your sitemap and uh, look for any sort of errors they report back sometimes where they have trouble indexing your site. So it helps you get your content into Google. So look up Webmaster Tools if you're keen. And uh, my week. So I... What was I doing? Wow, you know, I, I I live in the moment too much, Walter. I forget what I'm doing all the time. So. Interviews, interviews club. <laughs> no, I know what I was doing. Uh, I actually have been solely working almost uh, completely blind to anything else on the sales page for my How to Buy and Sell Websites guide because it's going to be uh, released at the start of next week and have my launch week. So everything else is done. The product is in the membership area. Uh, I did actually have a meeting last week with the uh, current manager of Flippa. So I, I went to Flippa HQ, which is where SitePoint and 99designs are also located here in Melbourne. And uh, met with Nick there and we just had a chat about you know what, what they're doing with Flippa. And we actually talked a little bit about Cranky Ads. So I'll have to fill you in behind the scenes a little bit, Walter, about that as well, since it's probably not that relevant to our listeners right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just chatted about potentially maybe doing something together as well. I'm not sure. Um, but it was interesting to hear a little bit behind the scenes about Flippa. For those of you who don't know, that is a, a website marketplace and the largest uh, sort of aftermarket for buying and selling websites and, and more so now domain names as well. Uh, definitely the most well-known website. And proud to say that it's an Australian-based company, so that's fantastic. So I have a guide coming out that's uh, going to pretty much focus on how to buy and sell blogs, although I do talk about some case studies I've had with other types of websites. But I really do want to focus on people who want to get into blogging without doing all that grunt work to begin with, where you you know have to build it from scratch and do the keyword research and all that content writing, where you can just grab some capital, maybe 500 to to $1,000 and go buy a blog that's already got traction, maybe even already make some money and uh, build on it from there and then potentially flip it or you know, buy some more blogs. And I, I've done this. I bought a blog many years ago and uh, grew it and then sold it for uh, over 1,000% return. So that was a great case study. And that's one of the things I talk about inside the guide. So very much looking forward to getting that out the door and I'd say by the time you're listening to this, there's a good chance uh, it might already be there. So it's at um, ejinsider.com forward slash buy and sell. That's where the e-guide will be. I know we've talked about this before, Yarrow, but just to give our listeners a bit of background, why would you buy and sell a website as opposed to making it yourself? You know, what's the payoff there? Because you're only, you know, losing losing maybe a month, maybe six months building your own thing. So why would you buy a website? <laughs> Have you built a blog before, Walter? Because sometimes a month <laughs> is not enough. <laughs> you know, uh, no, not a blog. <laughs> not talking about a blog. <laughs> yeah. Well, totally yeah, I mean, I guess you could buy anything. I could tell you why did you start, well, would you have started Kickspy if you could go buy Kickspy where it is right now, you know, rather than put in the, the almost a year that you put into it you know it's of course you may not have done that then because someone else had tested the market and, and maybe you thought that wasn't as exciting to you but when it comes to blogging you know or anything like I I had the the plan well I had two phases for me one phase was I'm going to buy a blog I already have a blog let's buy more blogs in this area that I'm already making money in because it allows me to reach new audience and therefore make more money so that was my initial plan with acquiring blogs and then I did that and I ended up sort of changing my strategy a bit because I realized I didn't want to write to two blogs at the same time, which was very difficult because they were also in similar niches. So I ended up doing an automation experiment and I got volunteer writers and I had a manager 
who was employed to look after the blog and it became like a near passive income stream. So my strategy went from let's, instead of augmenting what I already do, build a portfolio as a side project. It was basically my investment strategy on how to use the money I was making from my main blog business and also before that my proofreading company and put that into, you know, instead of stocks and, and uh, real estate in the real world, let's buy websites. So I went on to look for more websites that were reasonably passive, not just blogs. I had some forums and I uh, also had a, a little video site. And, you know, these were uh, income earning sites that I actually ended up having other people look after. So it was a great uh, investment strategy. So it's a bit different than, you know, buying a blog if you're brand new. But I would, you know, to answer, I guess, your question for the newbie who hasn't done anything yet with the blog, it's a great way to get that sort of experience you only get when you actually have audience and, you know, people actually interacting with what you do. And sometimes you start a blog and you don't get that for six months to a year. And by that time, you're probably so depressed that you, you know, give up. So uh, it you know, it's really depends where you're at if you have money. And, and let's not forget, if you have a lot of money... You can buy a blog that's doing really well. Like I've looked at some fairly large blogs before. I've actually made a bid once for fifty grand for a blog network, and uh, you know, obviously, I had grown in confidence in buying and selling websites by then. But I was looking at it, going, you know, this is a huge amount of traffic, much more than I had myself already that I could tap into. And at the time, I was thinking of selling my training products to that audience because they're all about, you know, they're all bloggers writing about their subjects and trying to make money so I thought it was a great potential marketplace for me so yeah lots of different reasons Walter and uh, I cover all those things in the guide so thank you for helping me pitch that <laughs> my pleasure the other thing I wanted to point out is um, you know I haven't bought any big sites like the 50 grand offer you were just talking about but even with little sites even if you spend two grand on a site that makes you know a couple of hundred bucks a month then you really get that benefit of making money straight away so that when you start doing tests, you change, the, you change the website, you notice the difference on how much money you make. So maybe you make 10 bucks more a week or 20 bucks more a week or suddenly you know, it all drops to zero. You get feedback straight away. And I think that's the big thing, especially when you're learning. You get feedback on what works, what doesn't work so that you can then trade up and do it again on a yep. bigger site and a bigger site. And, for me, um, I'm doing that on Kickspy now. But uh, the difference between Kickspy and buying a site is Kickspy took a few months, six months, before it started making money. So I wasn't getting much feedback in the first six months. Yeah. And, and sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and that's that's a big takeaway. If you really want to supercharge, you know, making income online, then get started with a little bit of money straight away. Mm. Yeah, it's a speed thing. It really is. Like, and I think that's what. Uh, the decision comes down to do you want to be faster and put money into it to begin with or do you want to be slower and because maybe you don't have any money to invest and just do it off your grunt work and it, that's a personal decision like I wouldn't have been able to buy a blog when I first got started online or buy a website what to go you know they weren't really blogs back then I'm kind of old now but um there I could have bought a website if if I had some cash and I didn't I was you know living off my my $25 an hour job at the university which was part-time and I lived at home so that wasn't an option hence the first few websites I built myself and that was great but then once you get a bit more means or you just happen to have a bit of capital it's definitely a way to speed things up and I tell you what nowadays the internet moves fast so uh it's, it, it 
it's not a bad idea to you know go to flippa.com check out what's available and uh, start researching the market and seeing what things go for and Anyway, all that's covered in my guide, so I don't want to like you know cover all that in this podcast because we could do a whole podcast on buying and selling, and uh, you know be a great subject. But I would like to talk about something else as well because uh, it's very current with actually what we covered in the last couple of podcasts. We've sort of had a a market research thing going with the subject matter for the Everything Entrepreneurship or the previous podcast we had, which was with the Yarrow and Walter show, and uh, <laughs> the <laughs> terrible show that one. Um, the idea of getting honed in on what your target market wants, who they are, how much they spend, all those sorts of questions and, and all the things you can do. Like Walter, you were actually calling up people who were running Kickstarter campaigns to find out what they want to help, what they need help in. And, you know, I've done the same with doing coaching calls. And then you can monitor comments and feedback emails you get and all these different things uh, are available to you. But I had the wonderful experience a couple of weeks ago heading to an event uh, here in Melbourne where Jonathan Teo, who is a, a part of a VC company, uh, originally from Singapore, and he lived in Sydney and, and now he's in Silicon Valley. And he is part of a group that's invested in Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, which is clearly a very good run. <laughs> if you've been listening to the media in the last sort of week, uh, people have been, well, people, the media has been talking about how Snapchat was offered $3 billion by Facebook and maybe even four billion by Google, and they turn them both down. That's all under you know, no one's confirming these things, but that's what's sort of being talked about. And considering you know that's three to four times more than what Instagram sold to Facebook for. And let's remind ourselves that Instagram and Snapchat both don't make any profits yet. And uh, Twitter, being the, the earlier investment from Jonathan, just float on the stock market and they're also not actually making any profit but they have a huge valuation so long story short these are some companies that are making waves in whole new industries and changing the way people invest in you know valuations and things like that and a lot of why they've done so well is a concept that jonathan mentioned during his talk is really really powerful which is the idea that your product is your marketing now i'm curious walter when i say that phrase to you what do you think well, the the first thing that comes to mind is obviously that the product has some sort of social aspect where you're reaching out to a group of people and you're encouraging them to reach out to their network. And an interesting example I just thought of is obviously Twitter, Snapchat, and uh, what was the other one you Instagram. mentioned? Instagram, yeah. Um, they're naturally social. But uh, even Hotmail, way back in the day, that was doing the same thing with the get your own Hotmail account message that they put at the bottom of every email. Everyone that signed up to Hotmail was emailing people outside of Hotmail and those people got the message. So that started attracting a whole lot of new people. So in that case, I think uh, product is marketing. It's, it's a good example of that. Yeah, it is. And that's uh, if you can make a way that the actual use of your product causes new people to start using it that's brilliant and and hotmail one of the best examples i think we've ever seen and obviously timing played a part in that where people didn't have you know email accounts or web-based ones yet and they were one of the firsts but you know i look at things like snapchat and instagram and twitter and all the social apps going on and i think a lot of them 
uh, it's funny because they actually potentially could struggle from the old, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, well, networks of facts is, is what they're trying to get. And eBay being the, the first best example I can think of with it, where you need a critical mass of both buyers and sellers. So with Snapchat, you need a critical mass of users so that when you join, there actually are your friends there to share with. Same with Twitter and Instagram. If you didn't have people using the service, there's very little compelling new people to use it because that's how value is created. So the network creates the value. The greater the size of the network, then exponentially the, the value increases as well. So the good thing about that is as you grow, like at the start, it's horrible. And, and you know we've had this experience with cranky ads. But when you do start to get traction, each new person who comes in has an even better experience than the previous one because there's more people. There's always more people, so there's you know it's, the value is increasing, and I, I I think that idea is a natural part of social media. That's what social media is. It's about interacting with other people. What I was very curious to talk about, and actually wrote my last newsletter about this concept, is how can we apply this idea that product is marketing to any type of product. In particular, I'm interested in applying it to information products because that's what I sell. I sell training resources. How can I package what I sell so there's less need for me to artificially stimulate the marketing process, whether that means I'm buying advertising or doing content marketing, you know, JVs, affiliates, that sort of thing, where all I need to do is go, here's my amazing product. It's like a MacBook Air. <laughs> it's like an Apple iPhone. It's like Snapchat. People just go, wow, I want to use that and share it and talk about it uh, and get that viral distribution so I can spend my time creating the best products I can and not have to worry as much about convincing people to use it and, and find new users. And that's... I think... Go, go ahead. I think to a large part, that really depends on what your product is. And an example that comes to mind is 99designs. So for those not familiar, 99designs is a website where you submit an idea for a visual element that you want created, like a logo, and then a few artists go and create prototypes of that, and then you select the best one. The biggest feature that they added to get more users in, and this was this was not by design, is they started creating surveys. So if you had the top 10 best designs, you could use their survey feature to go out to their friends, to your friends, and get your friends to tell you which ones they like the most mm. and provide you some feedback. Now, speaking to one of the guys from 99designs, he said that that was their best feature because it got them in front of so many people that hadn't heard about 99designs before. So. If you can, so just to sum, sum that up, I think depending on what the product is, if there's some value add that you can plug into the product, whatever you're creating, where the wisdom of the crowd can enhance your product, then try and add some sort of feature that lets you do that. Mm, yeah, I think you're quite right. It's, it's like you do want to crowdsource feedback and make it part of the development process so that it brings new people in. And that's... You know, that's tricky though for a training product. You know, I was, as you were saying that, I'm going, okay, so I've got Blog Mastermind, which is my, my uh, flagship training program on how to make money from, from blogging. And if I was to you know, come up with a way to do that, I go, okay, people are taking my course, they're setting up blogs. So one of the first things I could potentially have them do would be somehow at, when they're in the early stages, maybe in the niche, niche selection phase they've got a bunch of different topics they're considering covering they could survey 
their friends and family saying, hey, you know, I'm taking Blog Mastermind. I'm trying to come up with a topic for my blog. Here's the six topics I'm coming, you know, considering which one do you think really, really suits me? And that potentially exposes my product to new people. But the problem with that, it's it maybe not a big problem, but it, it's Blog Mastermind is a fairly niche product. Even 99designs is a, it's a, maybe broader than my product because a lot of people want to get a logo designed or do some sort of graphic work but it's still a niche sort of thing and what what I also want to bring up if uh, people get a chance if they go to my blog entrepreneur's journey and they look up my newsletter it's in the the newsletter section in the sidebar the newsletter is, is called if product is marketing how can we apply this as bloggers and if you go click on that I had a reply uh, from a few people some great replies actually they're all worth uh, having a read through but there was one from Lewis Lalane who he had a, a really long reply and uh, hit, hit some great ideas. And I think one of the most important things to really talk about when you're talking about information products versus the things that do benefit from this idea uh, of product is marketing. So apps and the really important point, I think, is the reason why apps will often sh uh, spread or not even apps, but lots of different products that seem to get this benefit of viral marketing from the concept of just the product sharing is the product itself is shareable, is simple, and appeals to a wide generic audience. And I think that last point is the really important point because you know everyone on this planet who has a, a mobile phone who can get apps is potentially is a user of Snapchat, you know, is a potential user of Twitter, is a potential user of Instagram. We all want to share and communicate and use photographs and imagery and do those things where 99design segments the market down a little bit so it's people who want to do something to do with graphics or web design and then blog mastermind is another example it's only people who want to make money with blogging you know kick spy only people who want to do research for kickstarter campaigns you know you're probably even a smaller market than i am in a lot of ways uh, walter so it's more difficult to get that sort of viral distribution and i think the way we can potentially get around that and you're never going to get as good a result as snapchat is but that makes sense because I don't think I would ever expect to have 100 million users of Blog Mastermind. Wow, <laughs> I'd love to, as I'm sure you would with with uh, Kickspy. But Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, within the scope of the little bubble of industry that I work in, to reach as many of those people. So that I think is where we can benefit from taking these ideas and then thinking about how do we do that? Understanding we're actually going for a very specific market that isn't general so it's not as easy to access you can't just hope that everyone uh who will know about you through natural sharing you got to figure out who they are where they're going what's the best way to pre-qualify then qualify and and then encourage them to share and that's the important thing to do so it really it doesn't mean you have to do some kind of proactive marketing but i think there's things to learn from this idea of product is marketing well just a little brainwave if you're doing training programs, maybe it's easier for people to learn with their friends. I know personally when I started on this passive income train, I was around a whole group of people who were also at the same place that I was and they were all learning passive income techniques and building websites and marketing and all those sort of things at the same time I was. So if you can somehow build in systems where they can work together on one idea, maybe all three or five people together work on building one blog. So it's faster, it's slightly less work, and they get feedback straight away. 
you know, and uh, you only need one of those people in. If they can introduce you to the other four, then there's your network effect. Mm. I guess the problem with things like that is just the job required to build a blog, even with four, four or five people. It's not as simple as take a photo with your phone and share it. You know, we're talking <laughs> much more complex tasks that. Uh, really only a small group of people will ever put in the effort long enough to get a result. And, you know, it's the same with a, with a kick, kick, Kickstarter campaign owner. How many people are going to successfully pull off a Kickstarter campaign? It's very, very few because it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, it's only 50%. 50% of all people. 50% who, of people who post Kickstarter projects succeed. Yeah. And then how many people who even consider doing a Kickstarter project, you know, that, that in itself would be a very, very small group of people who would even know how to begin that process or make it work. So same with the blog, you know, launching a Kickstarter campaign, creating a profitable blog, buying and selling and renovating a website, as I talked about earlier with, with the flipping guide, all these things are complex jobs that require dedication, learning, uh, a process that you go through that takes time. And that's actually one of the, the subjects talked about in the comments to my blog post was that you really are looking for a unique, special individual who is the customer for certain types of products. And that's not a generic audience. It's not your person who's sitting at home watching TV, doing a nine to five job and then using apps and playing games on their phones. Those things will share that way and, and you can have that kind of effect. But we got to tap into a very targeted audience using some fairly targeted uh, marketing. So I think the biggest lesson I've taken away from this concept is that what I can do as a, an information marketer is to look for better ways to create the mechanisms that allow me to at least touch the world of the potential target audience I have, understanding that the qualification process I go through is going to be so different to a Snapchat or something like that. So one of the best examples for me is, and this is what so many people do in, in my industry and anyone who's ever been an educator, is releasing a book. And we all know that books are not really going to make you a lot of money unless you're a Stephen King or you know someone really at the top of the game. Most of us release a book. It's purely a, a branding and lead generating tool for whatever you do, like speaking on stage or selling a course or um, you know inviting people to buy something from your company. But that book is the tool that can be viral. That's the great thing about books. They do have the potential to be shared, to be talked about, to get media attention. Uh, and gain all those things without necessarily needing tons of external stimulation. You can enjoy that kind of Snapchat potentially as an effect. As we all know, we do hear about certain books, you know, like Fifty Shades of Grey is probably the most recent one. I doubt that's a lead generator for a product exactly. <laughs> I hope it's not. <laughs> what sort of product, Yara? <laughs> Um, so, you know, I could release a book on blogging and potentially get the, at least some sort of viral within my industry that, that matters because those are the people that would be interested. So I think that's for me, the best example of potentially having this kind of effect. Um, Tim Ferriss, four hour work week, perfect example. Uh, not that he, he did do a lot of work to coordinate the launch process of doing that, but once the book was out there, it's the platform that he's built that has led to everything I think significant since then, like all of his 
books afterwards. Now he's doing a TV show. Uh, all the connections he's made. Now he's become a Silicon Valley angel investor. And I think it really all came down to that very successful launch of the Four Hour Work Week. So the that's a good example, actually, because the Four Hour Work Week, if you've read it, is very light on detail. So it's very good at over overview and mindset, and it gets you thinking differently. But if you actually go and try and implement some of those things, there's a lot of space missing mm. in that book. So it's it's a very good marketing technique and very good at high level, but uh, not so good at detail. And yeah, it's a good idea. Like you said, it's very top level. You go, I can li live a four-hour work week. <laughs> as a ready as a title, it's like compelling. So and it. It's, I love actually because one of the interviews I did was with Rich Sheffrin and he made the point that he had a client who was in the outsourcing world and that's what Tim is in with the four-hour work week. But how much more compelling is it go, going out into the world and saying, hey, I can you know, teach you how to outsource so you don't have to do all the mundane jobs and you get more time in your life. You know, outsourcing is a great thing to do. That sounds okay. But then if you go, I can teach you how to live a four-hour work week, it's so better packaging and it's just branding and positioning for the same stuff. Really, we're still talking about outsourcing. So uh, very, very important to get that right. And that's where this potential product is marketing comes into it. The product, Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek, was, was uh, not perfected, but really worked on to be a powerful marketing tool. Like, you know, Tim really researched a lot of stuff. I know he did some AdWords campaigns to come up with the domain name and all those sorts of things to really make sure he was going to get the best possible potential traction behind this book. So yeah, for me, that's the best example for an information marketer. Product is marketing. I don't know whether that would work for you know something like a tool like uh, uh, KickSpy. And I still think actually, I know we've talked about this, Walter, with in your case, and this is probably a great example for other people who are doing a software as a service or software tools. Uh, is to embed, like we talked about, some kind of tool that encourages people to then embed on their website or share with their network because it helps everyone. So uh, I don't know how much you want to talk about some of those ideas with, with Kickspy without you know, revealing all your secret sauce. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we were talking about how that would help you reach more people because it would encourage them to actually use your tool in the public world, getting you more attention. Yeah, there, there's generally two techniques I like when trying to leverage software as a service. And one of those is embedding your tool on someone else's website. So in, in terms of KickSpy, you know, what are my trends? Uh, what are the things that, you know, that really stand out about my campaign versus other people's campaigns? And, you know, if, if you're running a really awesome campaign, you want to show that off. So you're encouraged to put that on your website or put that on your comment section or something like that. But the other thing for software as a service is doing the opposite and letting other people um, get onto your software as a service solution in a marketplace, some sort of marketplace. So they're writing plugins or add-ons or extensions to your service, which in effect makes your service better and it lets them make a bit of money because they didn't have to write the service from scratch in the mm. first place. You just triggered a, a reminder for me. I remember way, way, way back in the early days, I was studying John Reese and his first success or some of his first successes. And John Reese is a well-known internet marketer. I think his first million-dollar project was an eBay 
uh, photographs imaging service. So this was back before there was, you know, really easy tools to put images of your auctions. And he created this one where you could create a, a picture and put it with your auction very easily. And one of the things he did that helped with the viral growth was a stamp on every photo that used the service. So, you know, this image provided by whatever his image service was. So every eBay auction had a picture with his brand on it. If you did an eBay auction and you wanted to have pictures, you naturally would know about that service and would go and use it. And was this after they paid or was this a freemium version? I can't remember because back then I think you had to actually pay an upgrade to include imagery or maybe even eBay didn't have it. So I think what ended up happening with his service was there was like a free version and then a slightly better version of some image embedding. I can't remember though, so don't quote me on that one. But um, I, I'm pretty sure even if he was charging, we're talking pennies, you know, to, to actually get a picture added. So you're, you're already spending whatever it was, a dollar or something to put the auction on eBay and then maybe another five, ten cents to include the picture. Good idea though. I mean, that's that's the foundation of so many software companies that I can think of. Hotmail was one example, photo sharing sites, um, just embedding something in the use of the product that makes people learn about the product. And if the product is used in the public, then it naturally gets that brand awareness and, and viral sharing. So, uh, I mean, I wish every single blog could have Powered by Blog Mastermind written on it, which is kind of like what WordPress gets to do mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So, you know, it's, it's a great Maybe stuff. there's a software as a service product in that. Yeah. Possibly, but you know my 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 love for software after cranky as well. <laughs> it's but you really love it now. You're gonna drop everything just to do software. Is that it? I don't think so. How about <laughs> you want to collaborate on another software project right now? <laughs> no, no, one's one's enough. Ow, ouch! I'm hurt. Oh. <laughs> anyway, that's a half an hour, Walter. So it always goes too quick. It does. Such a wonderful show on Mondays. We get through together. So in a moment, I'm going to play the uh, exit music, which you can hear once again. I hope you're loving our new intro and outro. As always, Walter, what's in the week ahead for you? Well, uh, I've got a few um, non-work-related events happening this week, so I won't get much time to work on KickSpy or anything else for that matter. But um, when I do, I'm just going to start automating a lot of the tasks that are taking up my hours. So I spend uh, a good 10 hours a week doing emails that could should really be in an FAQ. So mm. I'll do something like that. Um, also automate the ad buying process, which, you know, given we've done cranky ads, is a bit surprising. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, low on the priority list, you know, not going to, it wasn't saving much time because it wasn't taking much time to reply to the emails at first, but now it is. So yeah. That's what I'm focused on. All right. How about well, you, Aaron? Uh, I have the sales page again. I basically, it's funny with the products, you have these little things you have to do to get them out the door. And you just mentioned some for, for Kick tra Kick Spy. And I have to do the welcome email when people buy the product. So that's a quick job. And I have to obviously finish the last tweaks to the sales page. And then we will actually send out an email to my early notice list. So if you've expressed interest in my how to buy and sell blogs and websites guide which you would have done if you've gone to ejinsider.com forward slash buy and sell then you'll get an email towards the end of this week from me giving you a chance to grab the product before anyone else does so yeah that's what i'm working on and then next week i'm going into proper 
I guess, launch mode, more like a mini uh, in-house launch. I'm not going massive public launch. Just uh, we'll write a few emails and blog posts and uh, have a little launch discount that will end at the end of the week and uh, hopefully get a nice bunch of people who grab the product during the the first week. And um, yeah, I hope it goes well. This is my uh, second e-guide, so I I do like these little e-guides. They they target niche needs, and it's nice to be able to say to people, "Hey, you know, if you want, you can actually do this. Go grab that." Or if you need to work on your mindset, go grab that. Or, you know, niche products. It's uh, I'm building my product funnel, so I'm sure I will talk more and more about that as this podcast continues. So, Walter, thank you. Thank you, Ara. And thank you all of our wonderful listeners for coming in. Uh, As always, do leave a question. If you have a question you want us to answer on the Everything Entrepreneurship Show with Walter and Yarrow, go to my blog, entrepreneurs-journey.com and find this episode. You would have probably downloaded it from there, if not through iTunes, and leave a comment and we will potentially answer your question in the next show or in a future show we do love your questions it gives us something interesting to talk about and relevant so that's it for me thanks walter thanks everyone thanks, for listening Aaron. in and uh, we'll talk to you very soon bye bye everything entrepreneurship with walter and yarrow